Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. I am so bad at starting these podcasts. I mean, you are the queen of starting the podcast. Right. I'm like, right before we start, everyone, I'm like, Money Soul, do you have like something to get us started? And you said, I'm hoping that you will. And I said, okay, I got it. And then I hit record and bliggity blank. Okay. So, but we are actually going to be talking about what it means to be a modern man. Ah, nice. Yeah. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. I'm curious. Yep. You told me the topic. Normally we come in here blank and I ask you right. some really intimate, deep, vulnerable question. Right. <laughs> I think I got excited about, we've done over 80 episodes of this podcast. And I think we've given our listeners a lot of insight into what we talk about, how we talk about it, and why we talk about it, and why we talk about it. And it's been an incredible journey. I also think at the same time, we haven't talked a lot. We've talked some, but we haven't talked a lot about who we are actually as individuals and what we're passionate about, what we care about. And we talk a lot about what we think about topics but we don't talk about ourselves a lot. We, we talk about real world things. So I thought that it might be nice to do an episode each on something that we are really passionate about in the world. And I am really passionate about this kind of new emerging, what I see as kind of a modern form of masculinity out there in the world. Uh, so I proposed to talk about this on this episode. Well, and I think that this will also give some context for a lot of what we have shared in episodes, things that people hear naturally in the way that you talk to me and the way that you think about things in the world and the way that we relate. So I'm really curious to know what you're thinking about right now, because it's going to evolve. It has, and it will continue to evolve. Yep. I think there are two things, in my opinion, that men are going through right now. Number one is something that I think men have gone through for generations, which is this patriarchal culture with which really impacts men. We often think about it in the ways that it impacts others, women and other folks outside of seeing that like men are the beneficiaries of patriarchal culture, but it really impacts men in a big way. And so I think that men are dealing with that more and more and more as those cultures kind of elevate and increase in their intensity. And men are also dealing with this new age that we are coming into, especially an age of increased social awareness around issues of sexual violence, increased social awareness around issues of racial disparities and white supremacist culture, and particularly cisgendered, which meaning straight for those that don't know that term. Yeah, well, we heard in a in a the recent documentary coming out, Colton, which we actually are pretty big proponents of. Especially, yeah, highly recommended. Yeah, especially if you've um, never been introduced to somebody who's in the process of coming out as gay or queer, and in particular, this person was in mainstream reality TV through The Bachelor, which you know we watch, as well as an NFL player. And his <laughs> friend explains to him that this is to identify with the sex that you were assigned at birth. Yes, there, great, thanks. That's a much better definition. So as I was saying, particularly for cisgendered white men, um, this new social awareness, things that 
you know, need to be a light needs to be shined on them and light is being shined on them. I think that that's just placing men in in a very uh, interesting, intense, transformational time. And I really actually want to use that word transformational because I see this as not something that is a struggle, but it is also an opportunity for men to really redefine our role in the modern world. And so first of all, I just want to say Thank you for being willing to talk about this. Again, as it is an evolution, we are bound to look back at this a year from now, two years from now, and be like, whoa, what were we saying and what were we thinking? But we're doing it because when else are we going to do it? And it will always be that way. Hopefully, we will always be learning and growing. But I wanted to thank you for bringing this up because this is actually the reason why we have this podcast. And I have a lot of platforms where I speak openly about my opinion and I share a lot about my values and ethics in my life. And you haven't had that. You have like a small Instagram and you've got a group of friends that you share your thoughts with. And I have always really appreciated the way that you think about things in this world and wanted you to have a place to share that. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're willing to take it to even the next level and talk about this. Um, so just a quick recap, you're talking about the past ways that patriarchal culture has impacted men and how Number one is that they're moving through the history of that, having been impacted for generations upon generations. And then the second issue, which is that we're actually changing. The world's actually changing. And for um, a lot of men, they don't know cisgendered and and others yes, they don't yes. you know and white and others like anybody who's benefited from uh, being the dominant gender there's these social awakenings happening i'm having personal awakenings yes. and now what am i supposed to do about that because my experience is in our relationship is that you started out in our relationship by stepping back and saying, okay, where do I need to step back and be more quiet and be a better listener and do less doing and talking? And then now you're really coming into this place where you're finding your place and showing other people how to find their place. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I agree with all that. That is... That's a really good recap, and I think that that's important for folks to understand these kind of, in my opinion, these two things that are happening to men. And I think in terms of kind of the patriarchal culture and the impact that that's having on men today, that's going to be the one that people are, I think, more familiar with. These conversations around healthy masculinity has really emerged. And men not being in touch with their emotions or struggling to share their emotions, that's not necessarily anything new in our society. But what I do think is happening is that more and more men are really wanting to address that and really wanting to open that door and recognizing that this impacts to their grandfathers and impacts to their fathers and seeing forms of toxic masculinity emerge in our culture that I don't want to be like that anymore. One of the issues that is out there is that the current avenues and pathways for, I'll just use the broad term right here of men's work. What I mean by men's work, very generally speaking, is work amongst men working with each other to try to move through these ways in which the we the yeah. conditioning has has made us suppress our true 
essence of who we are. It's made us suppress our emotions. It's made us have unhealthy relationships. You know, suicide rates are the highest in men. And you could just go on and on with all these statistics. Uh, And and I, I think men are most often the perpetrators of violence. Men are most often involved in physical violence to other humans, period, like in war, in in domestic violence, in sexual violence, etc. Right, exactly. And so the pathways that are out there for men to get involved in, again, very broadly, men's work are super narrow. There's only a couple of kind of types of men that that really speaks to. And you've done quite a bit of looking. I've done a lot of looking. And, you know, I'll just kind of name them. And let me say, there's nothing wrong with these pathways. There's inherently there's there are critiques out there of them. And there are really positive stories. But all that I'm saying is this is narrow. It's narrow. It's narrow. And so, you know, one of those pathways is it's religious communities. It's centered around um, often Christianity here in the U.S. And there's religious kind of healthy masculinity work. The other one is very kind of corporate business focused, uh, high achieving, high productivity leadership. leadership, And then flavored with kind of the healthy masculinity or men gathering around leadership initiatives. The other one is very spiritually focused or there's the very kind of ultra spiritual thing where, you know, it's it's often formulated around what's called rites of passage or it's, it's very West Coast, just to be honest. I mean, a lot of this happens out in California, Oregon, going out into kind of nature and taking your shirts off and connecting with your inner wild man. I mean, it's often framed around that. Those are just some of the pathways. I'm not going to sit here and think of them all. They speak to these very narrow concerns. Oh, and then working out is another one. Yes, yes. Fitness is also one. Fatherhood is also another. There's probably five or six of these kind of like very narrow constituencies that are out there. And those are, again, all good and well, and there are critiques and there well, are benefits of them. They're not all good and well, but there are good parts about them. There's I good- think this is what we're finding is that there's something missing, not just in the broadness of like in the accessibility of these this men's work. Like maybe you don't identify as Christian. Maybe you aren't a father. Maybe you don't want to be physical and work out, but also... Well, I guess I say that because I I don't want to make this podcast about a critique or a not critique of those ways. Okay. Um, I just want to make it about like, hey, that's out there in the the spectrum of men's work. But what is missing, and funny enough, I, I cannot think of a better name for it, but I'm just, I look around and I see, and I've talked to so many men out there across the country. I've held a number of different listening sessions with men out there, and they all tell me all of their peers are the same. So this is the very anecdotal evidence that I have, but I see just like what I call the the normal guy, the average normal dude. There is not avenues out there for him to build male community, to focus on accountability, build networks of support between men and help guide him through the challenges and the opportunity to work his way through these difficult conditioning that we have been placed in as men in society. To me, there is just not that opportunity for them to transform. What I have seen, there's just not a broad spectrum of those opportunities out there. Right. Th- there might be something. I-, I don't know. Again, you've I- done a lot of research. I've done ben. a lot of research, and, and it, I just haven't haven't found so it. So will you tell me why you're so passionate about this? Like, noticing that that doesn't exist is one thing, but... F- well, let but- me tell you a story. Let Great. me tell you a story. I just had a friend drop something off, and I've known this guy since probably 15 years now. And we don't hang out 
really often at all, but we've been involved in some of the men's things that I've put together and said, oh, I'll call him Dave. I'll say, Dave, how, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? He says, well, I'm a teacher. The pandemic's been really hard on me because I've had been super COVID safe. So he's like, I have basically no social life and none of my friends live around here anymore. And I haven't done a good job reaching out to them. And I'm just kind of bored and alone. And this individual's in his mid-30s. He has a career. He's a total awesome, awesome, very interesting person. Super passionate, super excitable, loves to have fun. Really talented. Really talented. And there's something wrong with that. That is a person who should be really living part of their best life right now. And they're stuck. They don't have any deep, meaningful, it, you know, I'm, I'm making a little bit of assumption here, but they, it doesn't seem like they have any deep, meaningful current relationships, connections with other men. They don't have much community. They're feeling isolated and alone. And that's a problem. Well, I think that I don't want to get too much on the topic of the pandemic. But of course, what you're describing is that the pandemic has highlighted for everybody areas of growth. And I think one of the things that I've noticed, because that's actually not the first story, because I've stayed in contact with a lot of my women friends through Marco Polo. And they talk about their husbands having done not a lot in not the a pandemic. Lot. Not like, a lot. Whereas before they would gather maybe be potentially with their wives and their friends or things would happen by happenstance. But as far as kind of having to take the extra efforts and the extra steps because of the pandemic to get together, there's been less of that. And so to me, what you're saying is there's a highlight there again of how deep are these communities going? Like they're close friends, but how intimate are they that they could call and that they could really call on these people in in really difficult and hard times? And I think you brought up something that I see a lot out there, and and especially in the middle-aged section is the social calendar is typically set by their partner, and if they're a heterosexual couple, it's set by the wife. They might have some friends from college that they talk to or have a text chain with every now and then, but that typically revolves around humor and jokes. There might be some sort of community that's around sports, but there is little to no community around emotional support and there's little to no community around just being able to celebrate and hold each other you know both celebrate and hold each other accountable it's all based around more superficial avenues of connection and so when you have something like the pandemic hit which rip all those things away from us or make them much more difficult the bottom falls out and we as men really, really struggle to find meaningful community. And so we escape to work or we escape to just playing a certain role that we feel comfortable in. Like maybe then you just play dad all the time and you don't have any outlet for yourself. So let me ask you, do you feel like this has happened to you or what sparked your awareness of your own lack of intimate and deep connections? Well, that's a great question. I think for me, number one, I think you set an amazing example for me. So I see you and I see the networks of women that you're involved with, and it's just incredible. I don't know if I could ever communicate on the level that you communicate with people. I'm not, I'm not saying I have to get to that level. But Do you like, mean quantity or quality? Quantity. <laughs> okay, I thanks. Mean, well, just like you and your girlfriends are constantly yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, but also quality. Let's be 
oh, clear quality yeah, qu- quality but quality totally as well i'm not this is not a knock in any right, way right, i mean right. i yeah, i no, stand yeah. in reverence of everything that you're doing this is yeah no, that's not the case yeah so i think you set a really good example for me i think as well i'm also at a point in my life where i am feeling very inspired and I have recognized, too, and I think that this actually, that question brings in where the second part of this is entered and the social and societal transformations that we're going through. Because I'm at heart an organizer. I want to see, and part of my theory of change and my philosophy around organizing is really making sure that everyone has a clearly defined role and purpose within the work that everybody has gifts to offer everybody has a role within the movement everybody has a role in change as a cisgendered white male myself part of this work is working with your peers and those people around you who see the world through your privilege and your perspective or have that lens see the world with a similar lens well i just had a thought you know when we're talking about dismantling white supremacist culture for example the call to action for people who are white or white passing has been to do something right and it's like talk with your other white friends learn what you need to learn make change dismantle yes. your own white supremacy white that people lives work with white people and the and dismantle the white supremacy that lives within you the, the that is woven through yes. your bones right so then when we're talking about patriarchal culture which is another form of oppression what you're saying is it's a movement and you're supposed to be working with your people exactly okay and so men should be working with men and then you kind of go back to that first problem where there's no avenues for men to work together Mm, right mm. and so that work is not actually happening and it i don't see it happening but kind of typically it's like oh well i'm dealing with right that's what we've been conditioned to and that's what we've been taught yeah exactly i got this and we we bottle it up and we keep it to ourselves and we just play this tape and we self-analyze and we think we overthink it and we're never actually in that space of sharing or vulnerability again that's that's an issue and so you asked me where am i coming from to this work And I'm just so passionate about that aspect because as I see, these societal transformations that I'm calling them that that are occurring are so necessary. And at the same time, what they cause, and I think that many folks listening have seen that, they cause the other side or they cause the opposition, people that don't want to see these changes, people that are comfortable or in this racist culture that we're living in and want to maintain it because they want to hold on to power. They've been told a lie or, you know, whatever that narrative is, they rise up. And then we get something like the insurrection on January 6th, which in my opinion was a real epitome, a pushback of toxic masculinity. Those folks, in my opinion, those folks at that Capitol that day, part of what they were feeling was that like they were stripped of their freedoms. Stripped of their freedoms. They were being called out. They don't have a role in this. They're being left behind, right? They were scared and they're fearful. and, And we're not here to talk about that or analyze that. This is not for them, but part of what I want to do this work for is to help really define what that role is because for good reason, we are doing a lot of work out in the world, and I agree with this 100% to define what a straight white man shouldn't do. <laughs> That's And believe me, that is the starting place that we need to be at. I fully agree with that. We're doing a lot of work on what we should not do, but there isn't as much work being done work that should be being done by white men or by men like me about what we should be doing, 
what our role is in this modern world. Where do we fit into the movement? And I think that's really important work for me and my male identifying peers to be doing right now. And what I hear, you know, because you were like, and this work isn't for them, the folks who on January 6th, it's not for them. And what I hear you saying is, I'm actually like, you're actually looking for the folks that are feeling really empowered in this change that are feeling really positive about the changes that are occurring that are in full agreement and support of the changes and transformations that we're going through as a society to try to dismantle systems of oppression in all forms. And it's like that crew is feeling really excited, yet they have been identified as the problem and as right. the bearer of the, the the most privileged group the kind of representation of, of the of, most privileged uh, people exactly. and so naturally that group's like well shit i should definitely be sitting back this is right. not my time to right. take ownership or leadership or power or anything but and meanwhile you have men on the other side just who are going up. crazy just rising, rising up, up and yeah you, and, right. okay so so now that we've kind of clarified who, you know who you're excited what you're passionate about and who you're really excited to lead because you are a natural leader. And like you said, you are, uh, you work in movement building and organizing. And so it sounds to me like, and I know uh, it doesn't sound to me, I know this to be true, but for, for the purposes of explaining this here on the podcast, I want to say that it really sounds like you feel called to do your work and to guide others and lead others in doing theirs. Well, let me let me again tie these two things together. This patriarchal culture that it makes men devoid of deep relationships and sharing emotions and being vulnerable and the, the modern world that we're living in. Because the first inclination we've mentioned here, and I believe the first step for let's just use white men as an example who are supportive of the social movements that are happening and the transformations that are happening. The first thing that we're taught, which I believe is the right teaching, is to step back and let others lead and step up. I believe that's right. But what comes after that? Building trust and relationships with people. Building deep connections and relationships. And you know what? That first thing, that patriarchal culture that's devoiding us from emotions, my friend who's out here but doesn't have any deep, meaningful relationships right now, we don't know how to take that second step. And we don't know how to build those relationships to become a helpful leader in this movement or a helpful participant in this movement. We don't know how to do that because we've been trained for generations to bottle it up inside and not be vulnerable. Yet the modern world is begging that of us. Then you compound that with the problem that there's not avenues for this men's work or that or that the avenues are very limited in their scope. That's the problem. And I think what we need to be doing is building a network of men that builds community around accountability, around support structures and around safe spaces and brave spaces for men to be vulnerable. But specifically for the normal man. The, for the average dude. For the dude, average dude, The right? dude that has a job exactly, like, and exactly. has a partner again, and so, might have some kids. And again, that's not the not always going to be a, like a rewilding, spiritual, somewhat culturally appropriate, often culturally appropriated spiritual community. It's not necessarily going to be religious and it's not always going to be able to be somebody who identifies as a father or otherwise, right? Right. Or work out or a CEO leader. So I have two questions for you. 
and I don't want this one to take up too much time, but I am really curious. Like, what do you think is the number? I'm always curious. Like when we talk about things that are controversial like this, what's the number one thing you think people are going to say as a response? It's kind of like the, the sort of like, they didn't think it's, they listened to the podcast. They didn't really think, stop to think deeply. They had a knee jerk reaction and they say what? And are you asking anyone or specifically men? Uh, anyone because it might be different yeah well it could answer from the place of like anyone who might not want to see change so it might might more often than not be a man yeah i would say first and foremost a knee-jerk reaction that people have is i already do that okay yeah i already do that i already have my friends i'm really vulnerable I'm, i'm really vulnerable this doesn't apply to me what do you say in response to that i would say What's your vision of the world that you want to be living in? And are you comfortable with the work that it's going to take to get you there? Right. And I I think some people might say, well, it's happening and I'm comfortable now. Then you just have to say, is there any space for you to be empathetic for the 90% of the rest of the world that is super, that feels super uncomfortable and disenfranchised right now that you might be a very small minority. Right. I think people need to ask themselves both, are you truly living your best life? And how much of your life and your peace of mind is built off the backs of the oppression of others? Yeah, that's a really hard question for people to answer. And that's also, you know, are you living your best life to somebody who's just as privileged as privileged can be? And they're going to say, yeah, absolutely. But there's just no awareness of that second piece of it, the backs of others. And let me just say real quick, I would just say that if there are men out there that are having a reaction of like, I don't need that. I don't want that. Then I might not be talking to them. My goal here is not to necessarily speak to every single man out there. My goal is to build community off men who haven't found any other outlet yet and have a desire to do to build community together. Yeah. You're really looking for people who are willing and interested Very much so, Mm -hmm. because part of the groups that I've already begun to run, you know, one of the hallmarks of this work, and I'll keep this short, the whole key with this is finding the balance between easy and relaxed and approachable and transformational and deep. Because we can't just come in here and just like dive deep. We need to build networks and relationships. But as men and men listening or partners of men that are listening might know, it's so easy for men to just fall into kind of the jokey conversation, atypical talk about building stuff or fishing or whatever man stuff is out there, or football or sports or something, and not actually be vulnerable with each other. But you need also some of that to build a foundation of trust. You can't jump right into it. And so I think that because you are building a foundation and because you are going to be vulnerable and share with each other, you need people who are willing. So. I still have one more question for you, but I wanted to just sort of reiterate because earlier when you said that I was inspirational to you based on how I interact with my girlfriends, I was going to ask you the question of like, well, what do you see that you think you need? Because you and I may have different needs. And so I'm like, well, if that's so inspirational, what do you see that you need? But what I hear you saying is the potential for you to have those kinds of relationships has long been beaten out of you by patriarchal culture. It's so much easier to go into a shell, to be in a comfortable space where I I don't have to be vulnerable. 
I don't have to show an emotional side of myself. And I think that I might have at one point in my life been like, well, maybe that's just not what you want. Maybe you don't need vulnerability. Maybe that doesn't serve you. And then more and more we're learning about vulnerability, especially through people like Brene Brown and others are talking about the importance of being open and vulnerable for all humans. And so then you realize, oh, that's just something that's been conditioned out of you This and trained for everybody else to believe that men don't really need that kind of thing to survive or to thrive. So I'm also hearing you say that that's how you build step two. So step one is to step back and observe, really take inventory of how you have benefited from oppressive cultures. Then the second step is to communicate and to build trust. And that's, again, when you see me as inspirational, that's where I inspire you to take that second step. Yes. One kind of caveat is that I wouldn't necessarily define step two as solely building trust and relationships. I would say that after you take a step back and learn how to step back and listen, all the next steps are under that umbrella of really building trust and relationships before you begin to really move forward. That's kind of the second phase. I just don't want to say like that's step two. Got exactly. It. Yes, that's the next thing. And you're right. That is where I gain a lot of inspiration from you. So my last question is, you know, you really casually drop this, the groups that I've been running. I'm curious if you will speak to what you've actually done about it so far. So for me, this really started about, I think it was around seven or eight years ago when I had moved back to Asheville and decided to organize a men's hiking trip. And I actually brought together a collection of men that all didn't know each other. Each night we started to do what we called listening circles, where one person would actually share for a long time. And it was a really, really powerful experience. And from that point on, every year since then, I have led men in the woods or organized a a men's group trip out into nature where we have intentionally created space for deep sharing and connection as well as having lots of fun and being super goofy and doing a guy's trip right at the same time a couple years ago I started men's groups that met more regularly created different models of sharing and different structures of sharing within a a regular meeting type setting. That work has been incredible and super transformational. Right now, I'm actually beginning to take that a next step further and plan shorter eight-week group-style sessions that people can get involved in and go through a more intensive eight-week period where we're building community and then that feeding into a broader community of men who've also begun to do this work and build connections with each other. So it's a really exciting time, and I want to approach this with authenticity. I want to approach this simply and make it very approachable to the everyday guy. Men don't feel like they need to be something else other than who they are to get involved with something that will truly enhance their life, make them feel more proud of who they are, make them feel more confident, and make them feel more connected through getting in touch with other men and realizing that we're all going through a lot of the same experience. That's amazing. I just want to say from the beginning of those outdoor trips to where you are now, I have watched when you come home from those, you are an a changed person every single year. And 
you've needed some of those changes. You know, I've done a lot of work too. I'm not, this is, this podcast isn't really about me, but I just don't want to make it sound like you had lots of work you needed to do. I have too, and I've done it as well alongside with you, but you had a lot of stuck places. And every single time you came home from one of those trips, you had significant insight. And in addition to really deepening those friendships to where you could start to call those guys more regularly, text with them more regularly, you even started Marco Polo threads with some of them, like your relationships deepened with them. And then when you started the men's group that's been ongoing, I feel like the changes are so evident in you and in those other people, because I get to see them out in the world. And I'm like, wow, there's I see the transformation happening. And yet I also see the fun. Like the most important thing is I see the fun and I see the I see you all being very well, true to yourself. You know, we're not trying to be something special when we're in that group. We're not trying to be this kind of like ultra spiritual or really in tune or really enlightened person. We're not trying to or be like this like this yeah, elite than. person or better than or we're not trying to find out something. We're literally just creating connection. And I think that's one of the funny things about men's work in general is we have been conditioned for so long to keep things bottled up and keep things internal and be self-serving and independent and not vulnerable that this work doesn't have to be really intense. It can be really simple. So it doesn't need to have like an end goal or an outcome or no. some kind of like achievement or competition no. involved. Yeah, Not at all. It, we don't need to push ourselves to the limit. This kind of philosophy that I really push back against that's out there in the world, which is often you find it in fitness and exercise or a lot of yoga work or other different avenues, a lot of business work that is kind of like, I have to tear you down to then build you back up kind of mentality. That is not the way that I want to approach this. Right. So I just wanted to again say that there's something that I see, which is that in addition to you having a good time, you come home with stories that are deep and meaningful and you are a changed like person. Like the time we chased down a bear? You chased a bear. <laughs> you chased a bear. Well, it stole our big, huge bag of food. Why don't we just, let me finish my thought and I okay. want you to end with that story and we're going to end this podcast. Okay. The okay. thought is that it's like the trifecta of goodness. It's deep, meaningful connection. It's personal transformation and it's a hell of a lot of fun. And it's so much better than if you came home from a weekend of drinking in a big city and you were we're like we partied and we did this which is like okay cool like that's you have every right to do that and i don't know that you would come home with the deep transformation like i don't know that you'd come home a better person tell us the story so here's the story i'll tell it pretty quickly i was on one of the men's camping retreats that i had organized we were in the woods up in the mountains and we'd had what we had typically done is set up like a base camp and then do like day hikes out so we had this kind of camp set up so there's probably nine or ten of us guys there it's the evening and we had hung up our food bag in this kind of huge dry bag and for folks there camping we did a bear hang which basically means that you tie a rope around the food bag and then you you know you belay it, it up into a tree yeah you pull it up into a tree so it's kind of hanging above and there's certain things like you want it five feet away from the trunk and we're definitely in bear country and we're all sitting around the fire and we hear something and we look over and there is literally a bear which had climbed out onto the branch 
dropped down the rope and was rappelling down with the bag. It self-wrapped around the bag, pulling the thing down. Now, the crazy part about this is the bag was, was hooked on from the rope. When we eventually, spoiler alert, got the bag back, which I'll tell how we did, but like we got the bag back, the bear had... It had not ripped the bag off the beaner. It had unclipped the beaner. It had unclipped, which is just fascinating. Anyway, one of the guys was like, bear! And then it ran away. Another one was like, he's got the bag of food! He's got the food bag! So your trip would have been over. Which are, we would have had to hike out. That was literally probably 95% of our food in that bag. And so all of a sudden, we just stand up and just take off. So for those who are looking after for the, the rewilding part of this experience, <laughs> yeah. it's about as we wild. We had to. We were like, get the bag. And one of the guys is yelling, get, drop the effing bag, bear, drop the effing bag. And we're just chasing it. Two of the guys, which were bolder than I were, chased it up a stream. And one was like... And it's running with the thing it's in its mouth. It's running with the bag in its mouth. With a hu- How many pounds? Oh, it's probably... The bag was probably 40 pounds yeah, at least. in its mouth. In its mouth, 40 pounds of food. Another person's like coming over the hillside, throwing rocks down at the bear. <laughs> it gets cornered at the... Like at a rock wall in this stream. There's like guys at the stream. There's guys up on the hill. The bear like looks around drops the bag and then jolts up the hillside and runs away and we get the bag back triumphantly i mean triumphantly. how did you ever sleep that night you must have just felt so badass <laughs> well we were also worried that the bear was gonna like bring bring its friends back so what'd you do Oh, you didn't sleep because you were Well, nervous. what happened was, what was funny was we were we were camping, but we were only about a mile from the parking lot. We kind of hiked a bunch of stuff in and we're camping at a base camp. And so we did a run and people walked the food back and put it all in the cars. And then we walked, another folks walked back and got it in the morning. So That's great. We, we put it back in the cars at the parking lot. That, the, I'm really glad night. to hear that you did yeah. that because clearly yeah. you were attracting. Well, it was going to come back and try it again. Yeah, you know, there oh was my no. Gosh. Were you nervous really about thing. it coming? After that point, like every dude, like we didn't talk about it, but you know, you could look around the fire and everybody had like a stick with them. <laughs> you know, like we had clearly armed ourselves <laughs> for the impending bear attacks. So oh my That's gosh. just one example, but yeah, that's so yeah. fun. Well, that story when you told me, I just, I mean, I could have died. That's the greatest. No, I just, I mean, I, I admire you. Yeah, yeah. It's very Lord of the Flies of you. <laughs> it is. It is. I just really appreciate this conversation. You know, it's it's good for me, honestly, just to talk about this. You know, I've talked with a lot of men about this, but I haven't actually talked about it in a public setting. You know, hundreds of people listen to our podcasts every day. And like, yeah, it's just I haven't talked about it. In this, so this is good practice. And thank you all for listening. Our email is readingaloudlove at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out with any questions or feedback that you have, I'd love to keep the conversation going. Love you, babe. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.